Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget your machete as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is the Bigfoot one. <laughs> you are the Bigfoot one. Bring in the energy. <laughs> uh, this is Monsteropolis. I almost said on the trail of monsters. That's our next podcast. That's, yeah. <laughs> this Once is Mo- we hit um, episode 100 of Monsteropolis. <laughs> we're going to rebrand. Uh, this is Monsteropolis. I'm one of the hosts. My name. Is, oh, oh, wait. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name Seth Breedlove, I'm joined by my pal, Mark Matsky. Yes, that's me. I am definitely here today. In, in person. In person. Yep. Um, palatial STM headquarters. Warming up. We're warming up for the day. Uh, I came back from vacation last week, and there was no air conditioning on <laughs> in my office. My landlord had come down and turned off the air conditioning. Oh, took about three hours to cool it down Um, because if you'll remember like last week was it was yes hot as hades as the kids say um (laughs) (laughs) you always hear him saying i know you know skate park you walk by (laughs) you hear you hear that that's like their siren call uh (laughs) anyway those greek gangs yeah (laughs) um so yeah it was very very hot took a long time to cool down um so what do we got before we get into the topic of this week's episode this is going to be a throwback sasswat style episode wherein i have done i've done no research and we're mostly just going to wing it and talk about bigfoot because um this time i have an excuse for not doing research we are we are in the the warm-up for bell witch when it starts shooting uh in two weeks and i've been uh, frantically trying to read everything I can find about this story. And I've been working my way through this one book that I'm on now for like a month. I'm a slow reader. For some reason, I was able to read all of monsters of the Northwoods in like a couple of days, which yeah, is you ran through that. Yeah. Unusual for me, but this bell, Witch stuff is taking me forever to get through. And I'm, it's not because I'm bored by it. I'm, I'm actually, it's funny. Cause like just full disclosure, I thought going into this, I would have, a hard time finding anything to really get into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm finding it super fascinating. I think there's many, I think there's many reasons. One is it all ties back to my childhood and like growing up around this era of history. Like I was born in 1793 and no, I was, I, I was raised in a family that was like, you know, completely obsessed with history. So I think all this, 
late 1700s, early 1800s, mid 1800s stuff is like right in my wheelhouse, strangely enough. Um, so I've been finding just the era it's set in really fun. But uh, the the story itself is really interesting, and especially after talking to the, the local historian there, um, we delved into a lot of what he personally thinks might have happened. And as someone who comes at this stuff fairly skeptically, I found his frankness very very refreshing is um, he an interview he's good oh yeah yeah he's actually probably i talked to him yesterday about being our pov character so he'll probably actually be our main kind of guy that we're following that's cool um and he's been the curator of the museum the bell museum there the adams museum oh, wow. for 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 25 years i think he said so he's written five books uh on the area um I went to, you know, wrote a book about the bell haunting. Oh, that's and all. awesome. So, yeah, he's super cool. Um, and actually, so is Brandon Parker, the other guy that I talked to. Um, Tim is the historian. I can't, I keep blanking on his last name right now. Um, but uh, Tim Henson, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tim, if, you, if you've seen any documentary on the bell, which you've seen Tim, he's like, he's like their Jeff Wamsley. Um but the Brandon Barker's the other guy I've been talking to, and he's a he's actually the the Tennessee folklorist, um, which I think we talked about. Maybe it was Ellie, Ellie and I talked about this, oh. but like every state has a folklorist, which I didn't know, like a state assigned oh, right. folklorist, yeah. and that's Brandon's job is he's the Tennessee folklorist, but he grew mm. up in, in Adams, so um, he's been really helpful too, just in talking to him, and and he's the one that kind of made the connection between um tim and i so 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 what's there to commemorate this story because i i have no idea i'm just asking like is there a yeah so the reason i asked is you mentioned jeff wamsley mm-hmm. and it made me wonder is there like a bell witch museum so, or is there so, a section of a museum yeah definitely and i i get the impression they've tried to embrace the story um i don't know that it's at the level that of the Mothman, I would say no, mm-hmm. not even close. But mm-hmm. what I they do two plays each each winter, and I know one of them is entirely about the Bell Witch, wow. um, and those are put on with members of the Bell descendants of the Bell okay. family actually in the plays, and those are all about <laughs> wow. the Bell Witch. Um, there there are uh, there's a historical Tennessee state plaque in in the town that relates back to the bell witch. There's of course the bell witch cave, which is like the interesting thing about that cave. So I have a feeling already we've gone off the rails. And this is not going to be a Bigfoot episode, <laughs> that's so that's okay. Fair. Cause we need three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the interesting thing about this story that I found, let's just say now this is going to be a bell witch. Episode. Yeah. Okay. Bell witch and Bigfoot. Yeah. And all bell witch. <laughs> uh, so, so the bell, so, Okay, the, the Bell Witch shows up um, around 1817, and one of the things that she claimed, people would ask her who she was, you know, where, where she'd come from, what she was, and she gave multiple answers to this. One, the first was that she, they had disturbed the Bell family, members of the Bell family had disturbed her, and she was a restless Indian spirit is what she said. Um, she said this because two of the boys, I think one of the bell 
children than maybe a friend, but it might've been two of the bell boys. But at any rate, they had found a, a mound and they had dug into this mound and removed bones, skeleton pieces and brought like a jawbone or something like that and taken them home. And her whole thing was that she claimed she was a restless native spirit that they had awakened. That was one of many answers she gave for who she was or it was or whatever you want to call the bow. So, so when you say she showed up, you mean like a spirit being not like a physical person right. was the bell witch. Right. And you never around. actually see there, there were only two encounters with the, with a, with a, a viewable version of the bell witch. There were two times where, where people claimed to actually have seen her. Um, and, and they weren't, anything that unusual one of them is super cool and it's going to be in the movie mm-hmm. it was this encounter the two of the girls saw this woman walking down the street or down the road they tried talking to her she didn't she didn't respond and then she disappeared so they believe that it was a bell witch um but yeah she she basically should i how do we want to do this because we did not have this planned and now we're clearly doing the bell episode yeah okay so like maybe give a quick backstory on what the bell witch is yeah sure i mean I, <laughs> okay that would be good that's what i was trying to yeah coax sorry you towards. i'm sorry uh I'm, you're i'm brain dead so you you, may, <laughs> you basically have to like tell me straight up um so in yeah in 1817 uh there's this family uh named the bells obviously uh they reside near adams tennessee um red river valleys kind of like the area where they are um it's right on the Kentucky border, which is super cool because I've actually been in this in this region. I just didn't realize this is where it is. I might have been through Adams before without realizing it. It's way off the beaten path. Okay, you're you're an hour. You're about an hour from Nashville though, so it's not too far from some major areas. Clarksville, Springfield, Nashville are all within a half. Well, Springfield and Clarksville are within a half hour, but Adams itself is out in the middle of the boonies and. So, um, is this an area with a history of weirdness? weirdness? So one thing that I'm starting to piece together and I need to get into my other research and this might be a part of the movie, but Mm -hmm. I see a lot of parallels here between like invasion on Chestnut Ridge and Point Pleasant and high strangeness areas. Mm -hmm. Um, there's more to this story than just the bell, Witch, and even the bell, Witch herself Calling her the Bell Witch is disingenuous. She's not a witch. She wasn't necessarily a spirit, if she existed at all. Obviously, mm-hmm. this this is some. There's some really fascinating okay parts to the story that indicate this might all just be sort of legend, yeah. a retelling of a story that people was tend invented. to personify yes. things just to be able to talk yeah. about it. I mean, one fascinating thing about talking to Tim is Tim was telling me like. Um, there people come to town and they know the story, right? Like they've come to town and they've watched a million TV shows and they've, so they get defensive of their version of what they know. So he'll try to tell them the real story and they're like, well, no, this happened. So like they'll contra and we've, we've found that like, I can't remember. There's one, there's one story in particular where we kept having that happen. I can't remember. It might've been Mothman or Flywoods mm-hmm. where people would contradict what you were saying to tell you you were wrong, even though what you're telling them is what the witnesses actually said. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Anyway, um, Adams, Tennessee, it's the early 1800s. The Bell family has come there from North Carolina on the journey. This is 
my favorite part of this on the journey to Adams, they supposedly encounter the Brown mountain lights coming through, uh, coming through that part of, of North Carolina. That's just a side note. It's, it's not really a big part of this, but they get down to Adams. They settle, they own a, a, a large chunk of property. Um, 1817, they begin hearing scratching and strange noises, um, not necessarily talking or any of what we now connect with the Bell Witch, but they hear scratching and things like that in the walls. Um, they This goes on for months and months. One interesting thing about the story is it's spread over like five years. So they start hearing the scratching in the walls, um, levitating dishes, things like, like, you know, like typical haunting poltergeist activity kind of stuff. Um, and then slowly over time, they begin to hear a voice, like whatever's going on begins to take on a voice and it takes a while to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like the voice, the first time they hear it is very weak and feeble. And then over time it, it becomes louder and louder and then eventually takes on this personality. And one thing I will say is if the story is invented, which is a good possibility, not a good possibility, it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, they, instilled a ton of personality into this fictional character if it's a fictional character um to the point where i was talking to my wife last night about how by the time it's all over i kind of like her like despite <laughs> <laughs> the fact she's killing people like she's kind of funny wow um so so she, the, the at, at first it's all sort of um typical haunting activity nothing mm-hmm. too crazy and then it takes on a violent over overtone um betsy bell who's one of the daughters uh begins uh sort of becomes the takes the brunt of of the physical abuse of the bell witch so like betsy's um having her hair pulled and being beaten i don't know if you've seen the movie in american haunting from 2005 with donald sutherland and sissy spacek it's the telling of the bell witch story they they get a lot of things horribly wrong and they make some really crazy the twist at the end paints john bell in a very bad light which actually the more i've learned about this might be true but nonetheless um so anyway they're they're uh the family is experiencing all this craziness betsy's being beaten the witch eventually claims she is there to to kill john bell she's there to to she hates john bell she's there you know to witness his death or whatever um this spirit or ghost or whatever you want to call her is is a bit of a trickster so that's why it's confusing as to what or who she actually was she claimed initially she was a native spirit an indian spirit that had come out of this mound that had been disturbed she eventually made the claim that she was there as kate bats witch and what kate kate bats is a local this is all really intricate. So I'm trying to like mm-hmm. fly through this, but Kate bats was a local woman. The bats family was a local family. They had business dealings with John bell, John bell supposedly, um, uh, had business dealings with Kate bats. There was a, a business deal in particular where he, uh, sold her a where he allowed her use of one of his slaves, something to that effect. In exchange, he was supposed to get 20% of whatever, you know, however they had worked this deal out. He was supposed to get use of, or uh, he was supposed to get 20% of the profits of whatever this job mm-hmm. was. The 
a slave was beaten and returned to him beaten. And he, uh, in turn did something. I forget like what exactly the details are, but he was very upset about the treatment of the, of the slave and Mm -hmm. went back to her. Um, eventually this all led to John Bell being cast out of the red river Baptist church on, uh, excommunicated, which apparently was a thing at the time. Um, he was excommunicated from the red river Baptist church, which is still in the area today. At the time it was in Port Royal. I know I've been in Port Royal because, because of a civil war connection. So I know I've been in this area. Wow. So, um, so poor, so so he's excommunicated from the church. When it happens, Kate Bass comes up to him and says, "That was the church's punishment. That's not my punishment." Um, you know, like th- things are about to get very bad for you. And so um, it starts with, and this gets left out a lot, but there was a a hunting party one morning. John Bell's out hunting with I think two of his sons. He sees a some sort of creature, like a large creature and it's funny because it's like in the book i just read they compared it more to like a rabbit and a wolf like a Hmm. wolf with rabbit ears like wow uh, it's a very it's like a big almost reminded me of like a skinwalker type of thing but um it was vague as to whether or not it was like walking on all fours or Hmm. whatever um so i thought that was super interesting because that gets left out a lot and from there uh, we get into like the really malevolent haunting stuff okay. and it's attacking Betsy and all that stuff. Um, the witch claims is Kate Bat's ghost or witch Kate, Kate lived long after John Bell. Um, and then for years this goes on. So this all leads up to the death of John Bell in 1820. Um, in that time, there are constant streams of people in and out of the bell house house come to witness the bell witch. Um, some of them are there just to see it for themselves or experience it for themselves. And some are there to um, try to get rid of it for them. A lot of these people were close friends of the bell family and wanted to help them during all of it. Betsy's constantly being like beaten and, and hurt, which is strange because the witch takes a liking to the mother um, to the extent that the mother gets very sick at one point, almost near death. And the witch would sing to her hmm. um, very, the witch also supposedly had a great knowledge of the Bible hymns. Um, she was very, she was into body drinking songs Oh wow! Um, and would, would sing those. She could um, repeat the messages of pastors um, ministers back to them word for word, despite the fact that like, like for instance, two of, two of John Bell's friends were ministers. Both of them were in the house one day and she repeated both their messages word for word back to them. Despite the fact that their churches were like hundreds of miles away. Mm-hmm. There's another story that I read where at one point a man from, I want to say Europe, but it might've been like Paris or not Paris. It might've been like London or something like that was, was visiting and she supposedly like took a message to his mother in this other country, hmm. either Europe or, or uh, England and gave them a message and then came back and repeated what they had said to him and he corroborated it. Um, but this goes on. Uh, like I said, this is, there's so much to this that just kind of repeating this would, would running through this, mm-hmm. I, I, 
quick as quick as possible is not going to do us much good. Um, and my goal is like really to lay all this out in the movie. I mean, sure. that's kind of where we're heading. Um, but this goes on for, for all the way up to 1820 when John Bell dies. Of course, this is considered the first, maybe only documented murder of someone at the hands of a, of a ghost or a haunting, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if you're aware of that part of the story. No. Okay. So we're both on the same page because yeah. neither of us are super into this side of the right. paranormal. Yeah. So this is like my introduction to this stuff. And I am, I'm in, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm, a ghost guy by any stretch of the imagination, but this story I'm, I'm like all all in on it because there's, there are really some, some fascinating angles to this. So, um, 1820, John Bell falls sick. Um, he's, the way he falls sick is he gets, he gets really sick. He has these, he starts having these like seizures and stuff. And, um, He's the thing that gets left out a lot. John Bell is portrayed as being a young man. Typically he was 70 in, in at this point in 1820, which in the, in the 1800s, uh, Tim told me the average life expectancy was, was like 54. Sure. So he's, he's already considered an old man. Um, he's 70 years old. He, um, he falls ill and, is in bed and this goes on for a long period of time. The the witch would sort of harass him, you know, laugh at him and stuff as he's laying there dying. And um so he has all this medicine in the medicine cabinet. And one particular day, uh they cannot get him up. They can't get him to wake up. So they run to the medicine cabinet to get him his medicine. And the medicine cabinet, which was formerly full of medicine, is now empty, except mm. for one lone bottle with this strange sort of what what's called like smoky liquid, um, which turns out to be arsenic. So they run back and they give him the the arsenic. <clears throat> and of course, that's the end. Like he's mm-hmm. he dies in in like 24 hours. He passes away. Um, and that's how he died. That is like that's all verified. Yeah. Um, the witch tells them after they've given it to him that she is responsible for it, that she replaced the, all the medicine with this arsenic and she's finally killed John Bell. And then she disappears for a couple of days. They have his funeral and at his funeral, she shows up to laugh at everyone. Oh, and, wow. And so and that was say that she's auditory people, numerous people. So this, call hearing okay, this? so this is what is, the book I'm reading, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about the book I'm reading because I'm afraid it's going to cast aspersions on, okay, on someone that we know. Um, so the book I'm reading makes it out as if all of this is corroborated, verified, affidavits are signed. The fact is, in talking to Tim, that some of that might not be true. So what I need to really get into is how many affidavits we actually have okay, and how many were just talked about in MV Ingram's book, which is the book that sort of like set all this in motion. Mm-hmm. So let me see. I might have actually notated this somewhere in my notes. So what happens is, um, uh, hold on. I'm looking real quick. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's going to be almost impossible. Wait. Uh, okay. So what happens is John Bell dies. The bow witch doesn't go away necessarily. She's she's she hangs out for another few weeks, maybe a year, and continues to sort of harass Betsy until Betsy 
breaks off her engagement to a guy that apparently the witch didn't like. Mm. Eventually, Betsy marries a school teacher and uh, he eventually dies. Betsy moves to Mississippi where she eventually dies as an old woman. What's really interesting about that, and we could probably talk about this more in depth after the movie's done because I have a feeling it's going to be a big part of the movie. There's an entire alternate version of this story that comes Mm. out of Mississippi that involves a warlock that's more tied to Betsy. Wow. That's so, so super interesting. Okay. That aspect of it. I didn't know that until Brandon told me about that. And they're kind of just starting to piece that together. So hopefully we can have some of that in our movie Mm -hmm. because that part of it is, is really fascinating. But what happens is Richard Williams bell, who was one of the sons wrote a diary called our family troubles, which was reprinted in the authenticated history of the bell, Witch by Martin van Buren, MV Ingram, um, that book was published in the early 1900s, I want to say. And then I believe there's another book that comes along later that repeats a lot of John Bell Jr.'s recountings of the events, including his ongoing. The Bell Witch tells them when she leaves, when she finally decides to leave in in 1821, I believe, that she'll be back in seven years. And in seven years, she supposedly comes back and hangs out at the uh, John Bell Jr.'s house, which is across the river from the original house, but still on the same property. Mm-hmm. Um, she hangs out with him and supposedly makes all this pro- these prophecies, and it gets real weird then. Then the story takes on like some strange overtones, like maybe, maybe, the, it, maybe some of this didn't happen at all, mm. um, because it becomes very, like she's like alluding to, she's prophesying she's okay. she's she prophesies the civil war and she prophesies the world war one and the problem is all these things had happened already okay. when this book comes out so yeah. like she's prophesying but right you have no idea if, if those prophecies anyway mm-hmm. um so that's all all really fascinating the the thing that i've started to really look at is the 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 similarities between this and something like the Mothman or aspects of like the chestnut Ridge where you've got this area where it seems like a lot of strange things happen. So after the bell, Witch goes away and what I'm having a hard time finding out is how much was there before she even showed up, how much activity was there before she even showed up. But after she goes away, the big thing becomes like spook lights and a lot of people see spook lights in the area and orbs is what they're, they're referred to now, but back then they were still calling them spook lights. Um, and there's a story Tim told me, I'm going to tell this on this show and then I'll ask him about it before I put this out. Cause he told me the, sh- the story last night and I want to okay. make sure I'm getting it right. Um, he, he, he said that for some reason people in the town call him when they experience something strange, which apparently happens fairly often. And he said one night he was getting ready for bed and he gets a phone call from the antique store. And uh, there's a couple that owns the, that owned the antique store. This, this would have been before 2012. The antique store went out in 2012. One of the owners, one of the couple died, the man, the woman's still alive. I believe they own this antique store. I believe he said it was across the street from the old bell or the old Adams school. Um, which is also where city hall is. He might've said it was in the school. I can't remember what, I can't remember what he told me. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, 
he goes, he gets this phone call and there's a panicked voice on the other line. It's like, you got to get down here right now. The green girl is here and she won't leave us alone. And he's like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, there's, there's this green girl. She's in here all the time. We've seen her before. She's this uh, like a green ghost. And he's like, but tonight's different. That's what they said. And he doesn't know what that means. So Mm -hmm. he drives down there. And when he arrives, all the windows and doors of the building are open and the lights are all on and the people are gone. Oh, wow. So, so apparently they just like lit out. I guess yeah. they were so scared. But what's interesting is he proceeds to see spook lights oh my. in the area. And this dude is as skeptical as it gets. I can yeah. tell you like in talking to him, he is a skeptic. I'd call him a skeptic. Mm-hmm. And he saw like on the way home? Or no, I think they were there. I think oh, they're, the- I, I don't know that they were in the building. I think he sees them. Okay. What I need to do is get the details of the story yeah. and put it in the movie. So this okay. was, this was one of the coolest aspects of this to me. Yeah. Cause like it ties back to something we find interesting, which is the spook light thing. Um, so they, th- this doesn't stop in the 1800s and, and there are a lot of weird things that go on to this day. What, kicked all this off me going off on this rabbit trail of talking about the bell, which was talking about the cave. The interesting thing about that cave is that the cave on the surface seems like a, a this is what I had thought for a mm. long time. The cave on the surface seems like a, a tourist trap, right? Mm. Cause it's like, it's never mentioned in any of the stories. It's like kind of left out of everything. And then, you know, for some reason in the, in the 19 early 20th or late later part of the 20th century all of a sudden there's this bell witch cave that pops up the people that own it also own the red river canoe livery and they do canoeing and camping and all this stuff so it sounds like oh maybe it's just like an enticement yeah to come. yeah the bell yeah. witch cave yeah um they did an episode of ghost adventures there zach baggins running around like bro come at me ghost um <laughs> And, and they did that episode and they did other ghost hunting shows there. Um, the thing about the cave, which, um, I I think is Troy Taylor called it like one of the most haunted places in America. The thing about the cave that is interesting is it sits directly underneath that mound. So the mound that kind of kicked off the whole thing is above the cave. Hmm. And there have there are a lot of really interesting stories that you can find online. The the, the thing we should have Heather Mosier on. I'm going to interview her because she's been to Adam. She's really been looking into the story. We need to have her on just for like five episodes or something. Anyway, just get her up here and like mm-hmm. go through different topics. Yeah. Um, but this in particular is something she drew my attention to is like this idea that you you do not take anything from the Bell Witch or she will come after you. So like the thing about that cave is supposedly there's been people that have taken rocks and things like that out of the cave. And then they start experiencing really terrible happenings. Um, and Heather has a story and I don't think she would have an issue with me telling this on the show. So I'm going to tell it. And then Heather, if you're listening, which I think you are and you get mad that I told on the show, you can just tell me to erase the show. Um, Heather was in Moundsville at a museum and I believe they had, she just messaged me about this. She, they had some some object. And I think it might have been rocks, actually. Um, hold on a second. I'm going to get this right. Uh, I talked to her a bunch yesterday about this, too. Um, okay, so, she, yeah. So, they had these rocks. Um, and I don't have the full story in front of me, but 
Uh, oh, wait, no, it wasn't rocks. Uh, last spring, Heather went to the archive of the afterlife in Moundsville. She came across a doll from the Bell Witch Cave. Uh, she asked the museum curator about it, and he said that it had been mailed to them just the week prior. Uh, she read the letter. There was a letter that was sent, and it was basically this woman had taken the doll from the cave and then proceeded to um, be attacked and harassed um, by the Bell Witch. Sure. So, so she sent it to somebody so else. So she sent it to someone else. Here, you guys deal with this. Um Wow. So it goes, the, the story lives on, you know, in some really strange ways, mm-hmm. but um, as with all things, I'm most drawn to the story of the bell family, um, the people that lived in the area. And then I think the most fascinating part of this is trying to piece together how much of what is claimed to have happened today is actually said to have happened back then. You're never going to be able to corroborate most of this. But if you could find the affidavits where people are claiming these things happened, that would be a game changer if they don't already exist. Like maybe they have them. Um, I know in talking to Tim, it didn't sound like they have that documentation, Um, but maybe they do. Either way, there's a lot of really fascinating aspects to this that I'm like extremely excited to get into things that I was not thinking about when we said we were going to make a bell witch movie so yeah it'd be very interesting to see other witnesses besides the family obviously that had gone on record saying we heard this or we saw this happen that would be important i'm sure that's well one of the lines you're teasing out yeah and there's another let me see if i can find this um there's a book and i own it i think i own it on kindle um and it's called like stories about the bell witch you didn't know from their neighbors or Mm -hmm. something like that. And that book is written by, um, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's all in the title. I'm going to find it right now. I'm looking at my bell, Witch: the truth exposed authenticated history of the bell, Witch. those are both fairly well known. Um, just give me a second here. Mm -hmm. Some Buffy, uh, Smokey and the Falcon monster. It's bizarre to go through my Kindle library, I have to tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see this book in here right now. I know I own it. Um, Yeah, I don't don't see it in here. It's it's a store. It's a book written by the neighbors. Um, And it's, you know, apparently like they experienced all sorts of things. Um, It's called, like I said, it's called like stories about the Bell Witch you didn't know or something like that. and it's so there there are other people that talked about the seeing or experiencing the bell witch mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so i don't know what to talk about now this episode is probably over but it's we start filming in two weeks um i think i think knowing what i know about what your favorite stm movie is now which is apparently the Bray Road beast which i had no idea i think you it's might what i'm very fond of see i i can't say invasion. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel yeah. that would be way too way too Yeah, <laughs> egotistical. Um, so I've sort of, Bray is like a, up there. Yeah. Well, knowing what you're into, I think you'll like this. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to find this really fascinating. And so I'm as excited as I've been to dive into something in a long time. Like one of these case stories. So I just hope the bell yeah, is still there when we get there. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Don't don't take anything. Yeah. I think Try that's not to uh, take anything. 
Oh, you know, one other thing about this that I find interesting mm-hmm. is talking to Tim Dennett or Tim, Tim Henson about his, and we probably will need to talk about this more at some point, but what his thoughts are on the bell, Witch as a Christian, because he's, his dad was a pastor. His grandpa mm-hmm. was a pastor. His son's a pastor. And that was really interesting. Like hearing his take on it as, oh, yeah. as history. Absolutely. Cause I hear very often, uh, you know, like you shouldn't look into this stuff. It's demonic or whatever. And his opinion on that, that line of thinking was pretty, Oh wow. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. In line with mine. I mean, just as a historian of religious thought, mm-hmm. there's so much in this particular tale yeah. that is completely fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. including like the rise of spiritualism as a kind of the story experience. keeps diving back into that mm-hmm. and i and i we, the thing that's kind of up in the air is how much kate bats was meddling in spiritualism there was a rumor that kate bats herself was a witch um she apparently like she did some really weird things despite the fact she was she was a uh, member of Red River Baptist Church mm. and you know was was a big fan of like apparently get got very excited during services yeah. and would would you know like yell and scream and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff like they do in Southern Baptist churches like I've been in those um she it was just interesting to read like that it keeps diving back into that right there's some hints that maybe John Bell was dabbling in some stuff so I'm, I'm curious to learn if that's like how much of that they know and how much is just sort of like hearsay. Right. So it's going to be really cool yeah. to get into. Yeah. And we're taking Andy. <laughs> good. <laughs> Did you say He'll, good? I, yeah. I said, that's good. <laughs> He'll just, you know, resolutely walk into that situation. Yeah. It'll be fun to watch him. Just uh, probably, probably walk right up to someone and say, this is all nonsense. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh all right, um, we're going to come back next week with the topic of the show that we actually planned on talking about, which is big the state of the Bigfoot world today, something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, at this moment. At this exact moment. Yes. So, All right, we'll be back. Uh, leave us a rating review on iTunes. You can send us mail, monsteropolismail at gmail.com. You can, uh, that's it. Uh, find our movies on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon. A lot of them are back on Amazon now. They're not free on some of them are free, but a lot of them are, have made their way back to Amazon. You can buy them and rent them and stuff like that. So 1091's getting them out on a, a variety of new platforms. Obviously, the the big release date for um, for Mothman Legacy was announced uh, October 20th. So unless you're a Kickstarter backer, in which case you're still getting yours by mid-September. So I think that does it. We'll be back next week. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.